Bibles this morning. Turn over to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. All right, before the singles start yelling, because I know they were getting ready to. I could tell. They're getting ready. And they said, if I don't tell this joke, they're going to get up and remind me to tell it. Okay, so I'm going to tell it. Now, my wife tells me I shouldn't tell these jokes before I preach. She says I should tell them, like, before the course or something so I don't ruin the spirit of the auditorium and, and, and the service, you know, because I'm such a bad joke teller. I, I think that's probably what she's really more worried about. She's trying to make it sound spiritual, but really she's trying to tell me in a nice way I can't tell jokes. I think that's what she's really trying to do. 
But anyway, with that said, they're not really my jokes, okay? They come from the Holy Grail of Gyron. Yeah, he, anyway, okay, he gave me a book of jokes. And so anyway, I've been going through them. A frog, a frog goes into a bank. And he just hops up to the loan officer. And the loan officer says, my name's John Paddywhack. Can I help you? The frog says, uh, yeah, I'd like to borrow some money. The loan officer, he finds it a little strange, quite odd, as a matter of fact, that uh, he gets out the forms and he says, okay, uh, what's your name? The frog says, Kermit Jagger. The loan officer says, really? Any relation to Mick Jagger? The frog says, yeah, he's my dad. The loan officer says, well, okay, do you, do you have any collateral? The frog hands the loan officer a pink ceramic elephant, and he says, will this do? The loan officer says, well, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, let me go check with the bank manager. <laughs> the frog says, oh, 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 tell him I said hello. He knows me. The loan officer, he goes back to the manager and he says, uh, excuse me, excuse me, but um, there's this frog out there named Kermit Jagger who wants to borrow some money. He claims his dad's Mick Jagger, but all he has for collateral is this pink elephant thing. I don't know what that's, what it's for. The manager says, it's a knickknack, Paddywhack. Give the frog a loan. His old man's a rolling stone. <laughs> you like it? It, it's a knick-knack, Paddywhack. Paddywhack's the loan officer's name. Give the frog a loan. His old man's a rolling stone. Okay, I, they said I had to share that. Okay. These are the kind of spiritual things that we deal with in our class. Yes, we uh, make sure that everybody's in tune with the Lord there before we start our lessons. So anyway, that's that. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. That probably did ruin the spirit. Nonetheless, okay, moving on. <laughs> chapter 3. All right, verse 12. Let's begin in verse 12. We're going to read through verse 15. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave pray. you, Amen. so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And be ye thankful. When we consider the reality of rising costs, the increase of violence in our culture and our society, the international conflict that seems to abound, when we think about the ever-declining morality of our society and culture as we uh, realize and recognize the decrease in church attendance and the departure from God, as we view the political unrest that exists in our nation, as we consider the incompetence of leadership and even government interference with some of our liberties today, when we face the social discord that plagues our nation, the sinful course that we're traveling in, as, and the sad state that we have arrived at today, it becomes abundantly clear that we have a few problems. As a result, it can become increasingly difficult to find anything to be thankful for 
if all we do is focus on the negative of the problems. You know, we have a, a news media, we have a, 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 you know, information age that avails us to everything and anything on the horizon. I mean, we hear about things that are going on in Chesnia. We hear about things that are going on in Africa. We, I mean, look at the Ebola virus. Half of you thought you were going to die. <laughs> Want to know why? Because the media made you believe that. You say, were you scared? No. I wasn't scared. Not because I'm going to heaven, but because I know that we had however few cases it was in the entire United States of America, one of the most powerful nations of the world, and we're going to, uh, the worst thing that I was afraid of is that we should have closed our borders instead of letting people keep coming over. That was the only thing I was concerned about. I thought incompetency, but I did not see a real problem. I was not concerned about Ebola breaking out and my eyes bleeding and out of every orifice of my body, blood coming forth. I wasn't worried about those things, but the media made us scared to death. Matter of fact, do you know we just sent $6 billion, I think it was, over to fix the Ebola problem? $6 billion. We have $6 billion in America for that. But anyway, you say that's political. What are you talking about? I'm telling you that when we think about the problems in our world, we can get pretty negative, pretty critical, pretty, pretty disgusted. And as a matter of fact, we can fit to the place where we're not thankful for anything because all we think about are the bad things. And we've got to be so careful with that. We're believers. We're children of God. At the time of this particular writing in the book of Colossians, Paul, Paul the writer, is bound. He's bound. He's in Rome. I mean, he has this desire to minister to Britain. He has this insatiable desire to go into Germany and, and, and around the world and to share the gospel with people in all of Asia Minor, but instead he finds himself locked away in Rome. And yet the Apostle Paul, amidst all of the difficulties, amidst all of the trials, amidst all of the hardship that he faces, amidst all of the disappointment that he cannot travel, that he cannot go, that he cannot reach out as he would love to and desire to, he still has it within himself to not just exhort the believers of Colossae to be thankful, but he himself lives a light of gratitude. I can almost hear Paul saying, thank you for the fact that at least I'm not bound in a prison cell. Instead, I have this room in which I am bound, and I can still continue to write. I can still continue to address the churches. I can still continue to witness to my guards and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still, in spite of the fact that I'm bound, have all these wonderful opportunities. I'm so thankful, Lord. And then he exhorts the Colossians. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called into one body, and be ye thankful. This morning, I, we're, we're heading up on Thanksgiving, so I wanted to kind of stick with that theme. And so all I want to do this morning, all I'm going to do, really simple, you could probably get up here and share this yourself, probably. I, I, I have no doubt of that. I just want to share a few things that I'm thankful for as we head into the Thanksgiving season. Real basic, fundamental truths that every believer can be thankful for. And I hope that it'll be, by, by way of sharing that, we can encourage one another today. Because let's face it, we live in a world that has changed. And it seems that every turn in life, 
at times can bring a dark cloud if we're not careful. Now, again, wonderful things. I think the older I get, the more I see that things aren't as good as I used to think they were. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I still have positive outlook, okay? I love life, and I want to live. I want God to use me, and I, I want to be a blessing to others. But it was kind of like you've heard the say before, years ago, when you were young, you would go to grandparents or other people's funerals. And now you're going to funerals of your own friends, people that you knew, people that are your age. Those things get difficult. Life takes on, and now we have pains and we have discomforts. We have things that just, life isn't what it used to be. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean God can't bless. But we better be careful that we don't focus on the negatives. That we don't get caught up in the darkness. That we don't allow the devil to cast a cloud over our head and only see the financial problems that we face. And only deal with the, 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 the marital issues that we're dealing with or the, the family crises that come about. That we don't allow the devil to cast that shadow or that cloud over our head and not be able to say, I am thankful. Well, we've got so much to be thankful for. So I just want to share a couple of those things today before we have our... Uh, do you got that number for me? Okay, good. Thank you. And so, I just want to share that before, uh, t this morning, before our baptism. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for being here today. You said wherever two or more gathered, you'd be in the midst. So, Lord, we're going to claim that promise now. And, Lord, we're asking you to speak to our hearts. Take this, these simple truths, Lord, these basic fundamentals, these, just drive them home in our hearts. May we leave here encouraged. And, Father, may we be thankful. It doesn't mean we're not going to face difficulties. It doesn't mean we won't endure trials. But help us to be thankful to you, Lord, for you've given us so much to be thankful for. Help us, Lord, today to see things through your eyes. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You say, what are you thankful for? First of all, I'm thankful for the scriptures. I'm thankful for this book right here. This book called The Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, turn there if you would, verse 16. Chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, in this particular passage, the Apostle Paul, again, is the, uh, the writer. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, is the author. He's penning these, this passage under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. He makes the statement there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What we find is that this is God's book. This is God's book. This isn't our book. Okay, I have a Bible, but it's his book, and I can read it. I mean, he wrote it. I'm not the author of it. He's the author of it. His book. God's book. And this book is a perfect book. It is a supernatural book. Matter of fact, there are 66 books within the, the binding of what we call our Bible 1,189 chapters. There are 40 different writers over the course of 1,600 years that penned this book, and ultimately it all came together as one. It is infallible, inerrant, and it is without contradiction. This book is God's word, and for that I am thankful. 
in the particular passage that we just read, we learn a few things about this book. We learn that this book is profitable. It profits. It says it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Man, if you want a book that's going to make a difference in your life, your marriage, your home, your life, it is this book. Oh, okay, you can get online and you can read blogs. You can go ahead and get, uh, go to the store and buy a self-help book. You can uh, probably get online and download something from Amazon or some books a million or somewhere else that promises to help you and to meet your needs and to provide for you and your family. Let me tell you something. This is the book that you need more than any other. This is the book I need more than any other. We're not talking about a book. We're not talking about a book for the lost right now. I'm talking about a book for us today. I'm talking about a book for those that name the name of Christ. I'm talking about a book that was written so that for our learning and our understanding and our growth, yes, it's there for the lost, but they don't want to read it, but you should want to read it. You should want to hold it. You should want to embrace it. You and I should want to learn it and, and, and take it in and glean and grow up from it. It profits. I got a problem, preacher. What do I need to do about it? Man, if I, I, I'm telling you what you need to do about it. Get in the book. It profits. It will help you. You say, but I need something practical. That's fine, too. Let's put something practical with that book. Let's make it come alive from that book. But it's going to be based out of that book. Because this book is profitable. This book is perfect. He goes on to say that the man of God may be perfect. Uh, excuse me. And because it's perfect, it perfects. See, it perfects us. It profits, it perfects, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, grown up, strengthened, strong. Man, this is what this book's about. These young men, you know, they think and they dream about the day, I get to go off to Bible college and I'll have a fun with my buddies and learn the Bible and I'll, it's going to be great. You know what will grow you up faster than all that stuff? This. The Word of God. I know a number of people went to Bible college did nothing with their life. Nothing. I'm not saying that they're not good people. I'm saying that they never accomplished what they intended to accomplish. You can have every intention in the world to go to Bible college, finish it, go pastor or preach or evangelize. That don't mean you're going to do it. Because you've got to be built up. You need to be perfected. Amen. And that perfected means matured and strengthened and strong. Guess where you get it? From this book. Dad, you want to be what you, the kind of dad you ought to be? Get in the book. Man, we ought to be thankful for this book. Why? Because this book profits us. This book profits everyone around us. This book perfects us. It matures us. It enables us to endure life and to deal with the problems and to face them with a positive outlook. Not only that, but this book, it prepares. The Bible says it's it thoroughly, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, so we see that it profits, we see that it perfects, but it also prepares us. As we said already, you want to be ready, you've got to be mature, but this book will enable you to be prepared for the good works, for the things God wants you to do. Hey, listen, there's, it's not hard to go out and drink. It's not hard. Anybody can go to a bar and sit down and have a drink. It's not hard. You don't have to go to school to learn how to do that. You, you don't have to have someone teach you how to do that. You just follow the crowd. Just go where they go. Do what they do. There's nothing hard about that. There's nothing hard about being immoral. It's easy. It's natural. Simple. 
It's not hard to be wicked with your tongue, your mouth. It's not hard to be an angry, nasty person. It's not hard to be uh, inconsiderate, unthankful, ungodly. Those are all natural things. Come real natural with that curse of Adam. But we're Christians. We're thankful, I hope, that we have a book that doesn't just profit us or perfect us, but it prepares us to live the kind of life that God intends us to live, separated, holy unto him. That ought to make us thankful that he left this book so that we don't have to continue to live in the lifestyle that we lived before we were saved, but we can walk anew and afresh. The scriptures, a supernatural book, well, we ought to be, I'm thankful for it, aren't you? Not only that, but I'm thankful for the Savior. I mean, not just the scriptures, but I'm thankful for the Savior today. I mean, think about his passion. Think about it. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Think about that. God himself left heaven, became a man, to seek you. To put flesh on God so that you would have a perspective of God that was tangible. So that you could relate to him in a very real way. God did that for me and he did that for you. We're children of God today. Man, no one should be more thankful for the Savior than us. Because we understand why he came. We understand his passion and his love for us like no other. I mean, we love him because he what? First loved us. Oh, man, how can we not love the Savior? How can we not be thankful for him when we consider that he left glory and came to this sinful world? walked the dusty trails of Galilee, ultimately to bear a cross up a hill, to hang on it, suffering, bleeding, dying on our behalf. His passion. Thankful for that love that he possessed and that he shared with each of us. I'm thankful for his persistence. In Matthew 28, 26, verse 39, he says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He was a determined man. He was persistent in his, his focus and his journey. He did not let anything or anyone distract him. Even the potential to be separated from his own heavenly Father, the Godhead, he still said, listen, not my will, but thine be done. Man, I'm thankful that God was not moved by pain. I'm glad that he didn't disregard his integrity and his character. I'm glad that he maintained his purpose in the midst of the storm. His passion, his persistence, his power. Aren't you glad for the Savior's power? I mean, when he was buried, after he died on Calvary, so many thought it was done, it was over. The devil, I'm sure, snickered and thought, we got him this time. Then again, if he had any wisdom at all, he'd know that that just wasn't the case. But he is deluded, we know. He thinks himself to be equal with God. That's a delusion. So he obviously was deluded about this too, I'm sure. 
But the Bible says, he's not here for he's risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. What power. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ had great power. I mean, he healed the brokenhearted, set the captive free, made the lame to walk again, and he what? Caused the blind to see. Don't think our courses aren't valuable. They help us to learn truth. Well, he did all those things, but then he died on a cross, was buried, and he rose again the third day, just like he said. Aren't you glad we have a Savior that keeps his word? He keeps his word. Boy, I tell you what, if we could only change society so that everyone was honest and kept their word, it would be a different world we live in, wouldn't it? But again, that's just part of the cursed nature. That's part of the atomic nature. Because what? It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to fudge on a story. As we were talking about in class today, talking about, you know, integrity and, and, and how it's easy to say things. And one of the gentlemen said... Uh, to the effect that when people exaggerate things, that's a lack of integrity. Oh, yeah, they're correct. Oh, I went fishing this week and caught a fish this big. <laughs> and, and we lose our reputation ultimately. People find out that it was really only that big. And people go, you can't believe a thing he says. But you can always believe the Lord Jesus Christ. He don't tell any lies. He keeps his word. He said, listen, fellas, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to mock me. They're going to malign me. They're going to mistreat me. They're going to ultimately hang me on a cross. I'm going to die, be buried, and the third day I'm going to rise again. Amen. And he did just that, just as he said. I'm so thankful for the Savior, the Scriptures, the Savior. You know what else I'm thankful for? Salvation. I'm thankful for salvation. i, I, I got to believe you are too, Amen. Let, let, let's be thankful for just say. Let's just say, praise the Lord. When I say, thankful for salvation, everybody's going to say, praise the Lord. Thankful for salvation. Praise the Lord. Boy, I can tell you, you're thankful. And you know what? We ought to be thankful, amen? Man, he saved our soul from the most worst circumstance and situation conceivable. I mean, that's salvation. I'm thankful for it. You know one reason why I'm thankful for it? It's simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand it or to find it or to get it. And you can be a child. Jesus said, man, you've got to come to him like a little child. It's simple faith. It's simple trust. In John 3, 16, you know it by heart. Let's quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. And that's something. We know that verse. And the bottom line is the verse teaches us a very simple truth. That salvation is simple belief. We just simply need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and on him. We simply put our trust, our faith in him. Man, I love coming to church. I enjoy the services. I like all of that. But the truth is none of that gets me to heaven. And this is all a result of being saved already. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never just simply believed on the Lord to save you, to take you to heaven, if you've somehow believed or been taught that your good has to outweigh the bad, you've got to, you know, earn the favor of God somehow by living a just, right, productive life. Let me tell you, the Bible teaches simple belief, trust in Christ. 
It's simple. In 1 John 5, 13, he says, He that hath the Son hath life. There it is. You got the Son today? You say, well, I know about him, but have you received him, accepted him? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody can do that. You just have to believe he's who he claims to be, and he'll do exactly what he says he'll do. And you call on him in faith, and he saves you. Man, simple, simple salvation. That is so, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I don't have to memorize the whole Bible before I can go to heaven. I'm glad I don't even have to be a good person before I get saved. I'm glad I don't have to turn over a new leaf before I trust Christ. I'm glad that he says I trust him, then he changes me. And if I'll yield to his leadership, I will become what he wants me to become. He says he begins a good work in me, will perform until the day of Jesus Christ, according to Philippians 1, 6. Simple, simple salvation. I, I love his salvation because it's so secure. Take your Bible, look over 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, we read some powerful verses. We're going to read through verse 5. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I like this next line. Who are kept by the power of God through faith into salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And don't you like, we're kept. We're not kept by our good deeds. We're not kept by our church attendance. We're not kept by our Bible reading and prayer. We're not kept by our good, our, our, our benevolent giving. We are kept, kept by the power of God. The same power that saved our wretched souls is the same power that secures those souls and guarantees a home in heaven one day. The most difficult things to reckon in our life is the fact that we are saved by grace through faith, nothing else. People, we struggle with that sometimes in our lives if we're not careful. The devil comes along and tempts us to believe that we don't measure up, so therefore we don't get in. But salvation was never what we could do. It's always been what he has done. I'm so thankful for salvation that it's so simple. I'm thankful that it's so secure. The scriptures, the Savior, salvation... I'm also thankful for the Spirit, the Spirit of God. What part of the Spirit am I thankful for? Well, a number of things, but let me just give you just a couple. One, His comfort. I mean, He comes and He indwells us. The moment we're saved, He lives in us. The moment we invite Christ into our life, the moment we trust Him as Savior, that, that moment that we call on the Lord to be our Savior, the moment that we finally yield our will to his will, the moment we recognize we can't earn our salvation, we can't somehow earn his favor, we can only trust him to give it to us if we'll call and ask him for it. That moment, the very moment, those are all the same things. Calling on the Lord, trusting Christ, believing in the Lord, being saved, being born again, all the same. When we get saved, when we trust him, immediately the Holy Spirit of God makes his residency in our heart. 
comes and lives inside us. And the Bible tells us this. In the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus Christ himself. Take a Bible and look there if you're able. John chapter 14. Powerful passage again. Verse 16 through 17. We're coming to this season of thanksgiving. What are we thankful for? We have so much as believers to be thankful for. John 14, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter. Jesus Christ, of course, is preparing to go to Jerusalem where we know, as he mentioned, that he's going to be ultimately hung on a cross. He's going to give his very life for humanity. He's going to die and he'll rise again. And the disciples are very upset. They're very discouraged. They're having a difficult time with it, as we could understand. Why wouldn't they, right? I mean, we, we've been there where loved ones' uh, course is leading them in a direction that ultimately creates separation, and our heart is full of anxiety, it's full of, dis- it's, it's, it's heavy, hurting. They were hurting. Their hearts were heavy. Why? Because he was going to Jerusalem to die. He was going there to be separated from them in death. And even though he promised to come back, they knew things would never be the same. And Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be, shall be what? In you. Do you realize? Who's the Spirit, by the way? Who's the Spirit? It's the Holy Ghost. They're the Spirit of God, right? That means, let's see, wait a second. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, the Bible tells us. That means that the Spirit of God is as much God as the Father. He's as much God as the Son. The Son's as much God as the Father and as the Spirit. Wait a second. That means then that the Spirit is none other than God himself in the person of the Holy Ghost. He lives in us now as a result of our salvation. Man, I love the fact that God lives in me. Do I always reckon that truth? Do I always understand that truth? Do I, do I even live out that truth sometimes? No, I think I take that for granted or I, I don't appropriate it like I ought to. I don't really understand it to the point at times where I think, hey, he, God lives in me. Man, we ought to be thankful for his comfort because he lives in us. The Bible says here that he shall give us another comforter. And that comforter then is in us. And that means that his comfort is with us always doesn't mean that we experience his comfort always. But it is always with us. You say, well, that makes no sense. Well, I could be working on my bathroom, and I could have a master plumber at my side. He could be right in that bathroom with me. And we sprung a leak, so I'm underneath the kitchen or underneath the bathroom sink trying to fix it up, and I can't get it to match up, and I can't get it to work right, and it keeps leaking water, and I'm just losing my mind. I have no comfort whatsoever. Master Plumber right beside me. He's available. He's there, but I don't use him. All I had to do is get out of the way and say, okay, you know better than I do. I need your help. Jumps under there. Fixed. Comforting. 
comforting. You know what? He's with us all the time. Sometimes we don't move over and give him a chance to give us the comfort that he says he promises. We continue to try to deal with our problems. We continue to try to control the situation, circumstances. He's there to bring us comfort in the midst of hurt and heartache, but we will deny it. No, I don't want to be comforted. I'm angry right now. I'm upset right now. I'm burdened right now. Leave me alone. Let me waller in my self-pity. Let me waller in my hurt and my heartache. Furthermore, if you were so good, you wouldn't allow it to happen anyway. We just deny his comfort. He's there all along. His comfort. But I, I thank the Lord not only for his comfort, but for his counsel. Think about the counsel. This is interesting. Take your Bible, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, we're going to read through verse 14. The Bible says, Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now Paul, yes, writing to a very carnal church, the church at Corinth, Nonetheless, he is writing to a church. Churches are comprised of believers. You don't become part of the church till you've been born again saved. See, we have an exclusive membership at Community Baptist Temple. We don't, listen, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say here. We allow anyone and everyone to come to Community Baptist Temple. Why? Because I think God's arms are open to all. I have no problem with that. Matter of fact, I love meeting new people. This is awesome. However... When it comes to membership in the church at Community Baptist Temple, according to the Word of God, you have to be a child of God. And we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We are placed into the body of Christ, but also into the body of this assembly. This is the church. And God places us in as needed and necessary. Hey, you have to be a child of God to be placed in the body of Christ. And when you're in the body of Christ, you're part of the church here. You become a member of this church, but you can't become a member until you're already part of his family. So you get, you're saved, born again, separated out of the world unto Christ. That's salvation. You got that sanctification thing going, that salvation thing going, and we're placed into this body, a visible body in which to grow and serve the Lord. He's writing to the church of Corinth. Problems, buddy. Big problems in that church. But Christians, nonetheless, believers. And when he writes to these believers, he's going to encourage them. He's going to try to help them. And he says, now we have received not the spirit of the world. Well, they were pretty worldly, but he's saying, listen, that's not the spirit you've received. Not from God, at least. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now watch this verse. But the natural man, the man who hasn't been transformed, changed by a supernatural touch from heaven, 
has not been saved, born again. He is a natural man. He's in his natural state, an atomic state. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We are all spiritual beings. But we are not all spiritual scripturally. To be spiritual, you have to have the Spirit of God living in you. It has to be in you. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We become a child of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only by faith. Then... He indwells us. And He is our teacher and our guide. You say, really? Yeah, John 16, 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, Jesus said, He will guide you into all truth. Who guides us into all truth? The preacher? No. No, the Holy Spirit may use Him as a tool, an instrument. Oh, oh wait, He uses those, those books written about the Bible. Well, no, no, that's, no. The Holy Spirit, he says. He said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. If you know any truth at all today, it was because the Holy Spirit revealed that truth to you. Now, he may have used a preacher. He may have used a message. He may have used a book that you read. He may have used some insight of a brother or sister in Christ. He may have used some counsel that God has availed you to. But the fact is that the Holy Spirit of God took those things and drove home that truth. He's the one who guided you into all truth. And he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. What he's saying is, he's not going to tell you anything different than what you find in this book. Holy Spirit takes this book, drives it home in our life. He's not going to, he doesn't speak on his own. He lists, oh, what, what do you want me to tell him? What do you want me to drive home? What, what do you want me to share? Oh, oh, that's right. Let me take this and burn it in your hearts today, he says. I don't have my own agenda, the Holy Spirit says. My father, the son, and myself, we're on the same sheet of music here. We don't talk different. Somebody says, God told me to kill my parents. I mean, you say, that's a crazy thing. Yeah, well, he tells us to do a lot of things that go against Scripture. Even believers will say God told them to do things that go contrary to this book. We know it's wrong for somebody to say, oh, God didn't tell him to do that. That's crazy. That was Satan in his head. Let me just throw one at you. You don't have to like it. God told me to divorce my wife and get married to that one. Oh, really? Is that what he says? Well, she's just not meeting my needs like I like, so I'm getting rid of her and get this one. I met her at work the other day. She's really nice. We've gotten along real well. I think she's the one God's, God put her in my life. But, but you already have a wife. How did he put her in your life? I thought God said that you're supposed to work things out with your wife first. How are you already looking at another woman before you even got rid of this one? I don't get that. That's not scripture. I don't, I don't care what you say. The Holy Spirit of God didn't drive that truth home. That's not truth from the Word of God. And he doesn't tell you, to, well, I just feel it. The Holy, God told me. Wait a second. Oh, wait, the, but the Bible says something different. The Holy Spirit told you something different? No, not according to the Bible. He, they, don't, they don't talk different languages here. They don't have a different message. They don't have a different agenda. They don't have a different book. It, it's all one. His counsel. Aren't you happy for his counsel? Do you have kids today? Tell me you don't need some counsel. Honestly, man, he gives us, he lays out and outlines things so wonderfully in the Word of God. 
No, I need this book. I need the Spirit of God to drive home this book. I need the Spirit of God to give me counsel and comfort, especially with kids. Right? <laughs> comfort. Lord, help me. And finally, the score. Let me just get, I'm, I'm thankful for the score. You say, what do you mean the score? Can I just say Satan loses? He loses big time in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Man, he loses. I love that. And we win. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He shall, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God sh himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Man, I'm so glad today when we consider the score. Because the devil may seem like he's in the lead right now. It may appear and feel like he's going to come out on top. But let me tell you something. He loses and we win. I like the score and I'm thankful for the score. Because see, at the end of the book, he already tells us what the score is when it all ends. And we're the winners. I like it. I like it. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We have so much to be thankful for today, don't we? The scriptures, the Savior, our salvation, the Spirit of God, and ultimately the score. He tells us what it is. I'm glad. I'm thankful today for all those things. Basic, fundamental thoughts. Basic truths that ought to encourage us in the midst of a world that sometimes can get rather discouraging. May God help us. And maybe you're lost today. You don't know Christ as your Savior. You really can't say, you know for sure, heaven's your home one day. Boy, you, you can have that settled. And you can be thankful that He, the Savior, died for you. Not just that He died for the world, but that He died for you. And His blood was applied to your life. And now you are on your way to heaven. And you're secure. And you're safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that'd be a great thing to be thankful for. And it's something you can settle today. And leave here more thankful than ever. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the simplicity of your word. We thank you, Father, for just how you, ser you have served us by dying on Calvary on our behalf. Lord, you owed us nothing, and yet, Lord, you've given us everything. We thank you so much for your grace and mercy in our life. May you be glorified now, Father, in this time of invitation.